0: What makes life worth living here on Earth? So that by the time our lives ended, we'd know that we had loved enough, contributed enough, and lived our best life. Within our 13.8 billion year story, we can see where we come from, where we are now, and get a sense and understanding of where we could be going. With the advancement of technology and the influence of climate change, combined with economic shifts and changes, plus so much more that's affecting the way that we live today. If you were given an opportunity to create a whole new paradigm, one that held your most important and sacred values, what would those values be? Well, let's find out what people all over the world are doing to shape the future and the new world they'd like to live into. I'm T-Bird Love and I'd like to welcome you to New World Voices. This is a podcast of Global Voices, offering skills, tools, and leadership for a sustainable co-creative society based on eco-responsibility and human connection. Hello everybody and welcome to New World Voices. I'm T-Bird Love, I'm your host here, and today we have another special guest in my life. His name is Kenneth Lutz. And Kenneth Less to me has been someone in my life who's honestly, everybody, one of the very first role models in my life who actually, you know... In some ways, Mr. Lutz, I, I really don't know if I would be who I am today without your influence. Uh, Mr. Lutz was my first middle school and my high school band teacher. Um, but more than the band teacher, I think he was just a luminary for many of us young people, figuring out our own voice in the world, who we are in the world, how to build up the courage to express who we are in the world. So this very gifted man is here today. He's not only not only has been a music teacher, he's retired now, but he's also just like I think, an all-around creative person. He's performed a lot in dozens of plays. He's an actor. Um, he's performed with the Prime Stage in Pittsburgh. He's also part of the East Wind Symphonic Band in the Edgewood Symphony Orchestra. Um, he's a father, he's a grandfather, and just an all-around amazing human being. And it's such an honor that I get to be in touch with you today and have you here, Mr. Letts. So welcome.
1: Thank you, Tonya. I, you have to understand that I'm the one who feels honored because <laughs> You you are one of my all time most special students and you know when you don't when you don't um, see someone you don't talk to someone for a long time you of course you remember them as they were
2: mm-hmm.
1: in my mind yeah. you're, you're still seventeen <laughs> uh, and it's but it's it's a, it's such a treat when you do have a chance to to make a connection it's it's just wonderful
0: yeah it really is and um, you know <laughs> I can't help but You know when i was saying to you mr lutz and everybody out there listening you know i wanted to um kind of reconnect to my roots and one of the reasons is and everybody one of the first things that i learned about myself from mr lutz is that to really not allow my fear of making a mistake stop me from expressing myself I mean, you know, I remember one of the first days I was in your class and you had me stand up and play. And I remember feeling terrified because I didn't feel good enough. And you just kind of like held me in a way that says, nope, go ahead and try. And that that one first step, I'll never forget that, really allowed me to kind of be the kind of person I am today in the world. I go out, I travel on my own, you know, I've, I've become an, an amazing musician. And so... I wanted to kind of start off in this in, uh, with this sort of interview about you know as a teacher you know as someone who has seen so many students so many people come in and out of your classroom you know how do you is everyone someone in your eyes have the ability to like step out or how do you pick and choose and help those who are afraid to come and step out does this make sense? Like, what what is the magic of being a teacher to be able to help someone do that?
1: It makes complete sense. I think for me, the answer is that I I always looked at every single student as someone who had potential, and my my job was to help them mm-hmm. figure out what that potential was and and point them in the right direction. I, you know. I, I've always had a problem with the word teach mm-hmm. because I, I think it gives, it, it can give people the wrong idea. Mm-hmm. When people think someone teaches, that means, oh, okay, you stand up in front of the room and I sit there mm-hmm. and you do something. And because of what you do, then I, I know something I didn't know before. And it's it's exactly the opposite. The only thing a teacher can do is is make the conditions right mm. for the student to learn. The student has to do the doing. Mm. It's not what the teacher does. It's what the student does. Mm. And I, I, I believe that my whole life, and I've said that to, to so many people. Um, and so I always felt that that what I was, my purpose was to, to, to lead the student to the point to the starting point mm-hmm. where they would be able to, to begin a journey and I could be there to, to help, to assist, but it, but the student had to do the doing,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: and I, and I, and I just assumed mm-hmm. that every student had some potential, some ability, and we had to just figure out what it was.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You're clearly a special person because not all teachers people who stand in front of a group of people who actually influence those people listening come at it in this way. I mean, you're one of the people who really stands out. And I've had, you know, a lot of teachers. I've also been blessed with great ones. But what I love is how you said, you know, it's not that I'm standing up there doing something. I'm creating the conditions for the other person to really, like, discover really more of who they are and their potential and creating those conditions and um you know for me one of the things was you saw me in that potential and you didn't let me kind of out talk myself from attempting to shine my light and i know as a as a young girl you know being very it's easy to be very shy but the way that you were able to like kind of midwife me from sitting in the chair and really wanting to stand up and play, but feeling like, oh gosh, what if I make a mistake? Oh gosh, I'm not really good. How that stuff didn't really matter and how you were able to really allow me to kind of feel my own sort of potential. And not everybody can do that. Not every, not every teacher has that ability. If you could kind of like unpack a little bit what are the conditions that allow, that you put into a place that allow people to kind of thrive and discover their potential?
1: Middle school, high school, I don't know which, I don't <laughs> know which is worse <laughs> for students, but, but they can be pretty hostile places to be. Mm-hmm. Um, students can be very cruel and very judgmental, um, and that that just... It just knocks the confidence out of people. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that that I always
2: focused on was how the students treated each other. Um, for example, uh, I, oh, I hated this so much. We, being in a
1: big school district, a big bureaucracy, um, we were required, every teacher was required to give a written exam in every subject. and i would I would talk with the administrators and say, this these students have been sitting here learning to create music and to work together in an ensemble and and make wonderful things happen. what what exactly do you want them to write down? What will that prove? What will well, it has to be in writing. We have to have this form and it. And so it, it got to the point where I I felt the only thing I could do would be to have each student play a little something and I would write down comments on a, on a paper. And I thought if I'm ever challenged by the administration, I would say, well, you said it has to be written. Here's the, I did the writing, but here's the exam. Well, nobody ever challenged it. Nobody ever cared, but The the students were terrified. Mm -hmm. And I know they were terrified, Mm -hmm. some more than others, but because everybody was sitting there. Mm -hmm. It had to be in class, there was no other time to do it. And so every student had to to take a turn and two minutes, three minutes, whatever it was, play something by themselves in front of the class. Mm -hmm. And I spent such a a huge amount of time um, kind of (laughs) reading them the riot act about how they absolutely had to make sure that when somebody else was playing, they didn't do anything to make that other person feel bad. And I would say, just think about when it comes your time to play. Mm -hmm. What are you going to, how are you going to feel and what are you going to need your classmates to do to to make it possible for you to do this, we just we went over that so much, um, and it and it carried over to other things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you you remember marching band mm-hmm. um, would be usually two students who I would select uh, to be drum majors, and and it was not just a like a figurehead position. They they had a lot of responsibility mm-hmm. when when it was time to perform. I went up into the press box and turned it over to them. And they had to deal with whatever came along. And, you know, teenagers uh, often resent another teenager having some authority over them. Mm -hmm. They, they, it really makes them, I think it, I think it may make them feel bad about themselves, but whatever the reasons. And so I had to, I had to work with the drum majors Mm -hmm. to let them know that they might they might be getting some, some, uh, some flack uh-huh, from their the fellow, mm-hmm. and then I had to work with the rest of the students and ex- and make them understand what the drum major was dealing with and and how why they needed the respect and the cooperation. So it was I mean there were lots of different uh, cases, and I just I felt that that was key to creating a, a classroom environment. Mm-hmm where a student could feel, okay, I'm gonna try this, and maybe I'll get it, maybe I won't, but I'm not, at least I can try. I'm not gonna get, get blasted. I'm not gonna be insulted mm-hmm. because and it didn't work right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's funny, I, I, I tried, when I, when I conducted, when I taught, I tried so hard to do everything just right, you know, be a perfectionist. You're a musician, you're a per- perfectionist. You can't <laughs> help that. But when I, when I would make a mistake, mm-hmm. I would make a big deal out of pointing it out to the students. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't! You know, did, you, did you see what that was? The <laughs> three-four measure, and I and I would really um, make it so obvious to them that I was comfortable with with pointing out and admitting my own mistakes and saying, ah, I'm going to, I have to do better than that next time. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh-huh. I, I
1: just think that was, that was important. Um, cause they're very, they can be very fragile, as you know,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. the,
1: the environment, the, the emotional environment
2: mm-hmm. has to be,
1: um, uh, welcoming and, and, and it's, I, I'm not talking warm and fuzzy. I'm yeah. not saying that, you know, that everybody yeah. has to, um, Get a participation trophy, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. um I, I was very, I think I was very demanding, and I think I had very high standards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But ways to do that,
0: yeah. I you know <clears throat> a couple of things just to extract from here, and what I love, and even just hearing you say it, it's even just an affirmation in terms of just really important skills that I learned and many of your students learned, that have, as you said, carried over into other things. Um, and it's really about being a greater person, leadership, working together in community. Um, you spoke about creating the right kind of conditions, that kind of safety where people can be themselves. It doesn't necessarily mean warm and fluffy, but it means, Hey, we're here. We're all a part of this. There's a common vision. Um, I loved how, uh, You also helped set up the environment, particularly with passing along responsibilities, say even to the drum majors and giving them sort of, hey, here's what it can be like. Let's try it out. And allowing them to turn over the responsibility to allow them to actually feel what it feels like to engage with leading a group and you stepping back. I mean, I think it takes a lot of, I don't know if the word is courage, but I think, I'll use this word, a lot of trust and wisdom about stepping back in terms of leadership to trusting your ensemble and allowing other people to trust themselves. And so this is such a perfect segue because, you know, this podcast is called New World Voices and it's about, you know, we're at this amazing point of a lot of transition right now with everything influencing us, you know, climate change, our economy changing, Um, despite it being, you know, 2020, you know, we're still in some ways got some really old things still happening here and moving them forward. And so I'd love for you to kind of talk a little bit about the importance of the arts. Um, I'd love that kind of conversation. And what have you seen over time, you know, because I don't know if I was one of the last generations, Mr. Lutz, but I kind of feel like it where there was music in public schools. Like I was lucky when I went to school um, in the early 90s with you where we had an orchestra and we had a band and we had plays. And then I think after I graduated, all of that stuff was cut. And I feel like people who missed out on that, they missed a lot of really important skills on how to be with people.
1: I I couldn't agree more, um, and I and I think your assessment is actually pretty good. Um, I it's hard for me to say. I mean, I I I uh, retired in two thousand three, and I'm really I'm out of the loop. I, I have a few connections, um, but I I can't say that I I have my finger on the pulse of what's going on at schools. But but I I can say that. Um, that in many schools, uh, arts programs have been cut or cut back. Um, and sadly, a lot of it does seem to depend on where you live and where you go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a city school system like ours it's it just it seems to be dropping by the wayside. and I feel that i, I feel like I I had the same argument over and over again for 33 years, you know, Mm -hmm. I I would, I would talk to counselors, I would talk to principals to try and convince them about the importance of what we were doing. And, and it just seemed that once I would get through to somebody, bureaucracies being what they are, that person would be gone and a new person would come in and I would be making the same argument again. And it's, it just was, was never ending. It was very frustrating. Um I don't know if you remember this but I <laughs> um I, I think
2: we talked about this before but um very often on report card day um the students
1: that I would have I guess last period had had just gotten their report cards or earlier in the day I don't remember but they had received the report cards and there were like there were so many students sitting there with these sad looks on their faces because they got a C in physics, or they got a D in in algebra two
2: or whatever it was. And I would say to them, look, I know that math is, I know
1: foreign language is important. I know that that, uh, um, geography, social studies, it's all important. Phys ed is important. Everything you're doing is important. But so is this. So is what we are doing. And, and the sad thing is that, in, in I have to say, in most cases, the people who make the decisions, mm-hmm. and it can be at, at the school board level, it can be superintendents, uh, it can be building principals or counselors, so many of them don't understand what takes place in a room where students are learning music. Visual art, creative writing, whatever it might be, they 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 truly don't understand. Um, <laughs> the number of times that that people said to me, "Well, it's so nice that that students have that have a chance to to play and to to relax and and express like what <laughs> what we what my students were doing." There is no mental challenge. Anybody could do that, and I would say to these to these kids after they got the report cards. Why don't we go down the hall and get some students out of one of the advanced physics class mm-hmm. and, and bring them in here and give them an instrument? See how they do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you know this yes, better yes. than I do, mm-hmm. uh, Learning, learning to play an instrument, learning to play music, is involves so much mm-hmm. higher level thinking. Mm-hmm. And it's, but it's not just higher level thinking. There's, th- there are motor skills involved there's emotional intelligence involved there's so much more yeah i was never great at physics mm-hmm. I, I was not great in math but there as we know there are different kinds of intelligence mm-hmm. and unfortunately our our school system and i use that in a very very general way i'm not talking about the pittsburgh school system but but in general public education came to the conclusion at some point that that the only thing that matters. Now I'm not saying that that it doesn't matter, but they, they believe that the only thing that matters is math scores, science scores, and reading scores. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to to minimize that or, or belittle. The, you, you know, you have to learn how to read. You have to have basic skills. Yeah. It's just that they are not capable of of understanding or recognizing that there are other um, academic, if you want to use the word, that we. We fought over that for years yeah. about what was an academic subject. Mm-hmm. Um, they just they just don't get it. And it is it is so important, not just for the, the Tanya Ridgelys, not mm-hmm. just for the students who are gifted, but for the students who are going t- to go out and, and become bus drivers mm-hmm. or nurses or uh, whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: It humanizes mm. all of us. Yes, 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 yes. And and that's, I used to say this all the time, if you, I'm sure you know this, you can go to any civilization anywhere on the earth, Most the most remote, place. there are places they've discovered that that have never had any contact with the outside world. Guess what? They have music, have some form of visual arts, they have all kinds of expression that, that are, they may be different from ours, but it's the, it's the same concept because I I believe, I'm sorry, I'm preaching. I don't mean to preach. No,
2: no, this is great. This is great.
1: (laughs) It's a basic human need. I think.
0: Yeah. I 1 billion percent agree. And it's something that I understood over time, particularly when I had to whether or not lead my own groups, uh, whether it was a leadership or a workshop, whether it was me collaborating with other people or working in a work environment with others, I began to understand how my background in those humanizing skills, right, has given me the ability to travel anywhere in the world, even if I don't know the language and become friends with people and invited into their homes or get to know them because of some of these skills Um, and so you know it's interesting in terms of it's so frustrating feeling like we have to convince the importance of it particularly to people who think that they 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 know what it is without actually having gone through the process and what happens is you know now gosh you know I'm 44 now um, what happens now is is that larger companies um, international schools, you know, I live in China now different parts of the world. They bring in Consultants or people to fix their problems of people who don't know how to get along or people who lack emotional intelligence skills.
2: Well, I mean Pushing students to do Their best um, That was that was at the heart. I think of everything that I did. Um, I,
1: I remember I don't know if it was when you were you were in the band, but, uh, you know, we did marching band, uh, participated in parades downtown. And, um, you know, I was never big on on competition. I, I took the band to festivals, but we never went to a marching band competition. Mm-hmm. But when we did parades downtown, um, which I felt was sort of a civic duty, um, the Veterans Day parade, you know, and do the Labor Day parade, uh, they were judged. And uh, there was no choice and I never made a big fuss about it. You know, I I put shelves up in the room and put the trophies up because I thought, you know, the students did need to to see what they had done and and be proud of it. And I put those up no matter how we finished, by the way. (laughs) Uh, But I remember one one parade. I don't remember which one it was, but we took first place in uh, for city schools and the next time I had the band together, I gave them this big, long talk about how I really didn't care that we had taken first place. There were a whole bunch of things that I thought were sloppy mm-hmm. and that and didn't, didn't show what they had the potential to do and things we had to work on and, and improve. So my, the, the point was that regardless of what the judges said, What was important was what we discovered about how we did ourselves. Mm -hmm. And there were times when when we didn't take first place. And I would say to them, I was so proud of how you did for this reason. And not just as a platitude, but for this reason, this reason, and that reason. Now, okay, this could have been a little bit better, and we need to work on that. But you did so many things well. I don't care that that, that we didn't didn't win. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I just pushing them to do their best. I don't know if you remember, I don't think I can still get in trouble for saying this. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, in, in Pittsburgh, we have something called the Gene Kelly Awards. Mm. Gene Kelly um, was a great uh, Hollywood and Broadway singer, dancer, actor, um, just and a director later in his life, um, multi-talented, and, and a true Pittsburgher. And so I don't know 20 30 years ago I don't even know when it started um the Pittsburgh CLO Civic Light Opera started a program called the Gene Kelly Awards mm-hmm. for high school musicals and there are other other cities have similar things
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I I actually entered our our play the first year that it was that it was in existence I didn't really give it much thought and people encouraged me so I so I entered and they send judges to the school to w- watch the play and and uh, and rate them. Mm-hmm. And I remember being backstage the evening that the judges were coming. Yep. I Remember walking backstage uh, between the dressing rooms, and I heard uh, I, one student say to another student, "Oh, we have to do really well tonight because because the judges are here. So we have to do like do extra, specially and I kept walking, and I heard another conversation from the, the two other students, very similar. We really have to do our best tonight because the judges are here. And, we, and I stopped. I, didn't, I wasn't angry, but I turned to these students and I said, so you want to do extra specially good tonight because the judges are here. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I said, what about last night? What about tomorrow? Tomorrow's Sunday afternoon. Are you going to do extra specially good for those audience, for that audience? Or, or is it just about winning a prize? <laughs> and, and that was the last time we entered anything like that. And, and you know, I, I was very stubborn about things because I, I, I was doing what I believed in. And people would say to me, well, why, why can't we enter that? Why can't we, we have such a good show? We might win an awards. And my answer was always the same. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to teach students to do the best that they can because it's the right thing to do mm. not because of what they might get yeah. as a result that was that was like at the heart of my philosophy mm. and and I I'm sure people got sick of hearing it but I said it all the time I I said it all the time and I would say things to my students some just out randomly in class I would say you know can you imagine if If half of the people in our country did the best they could every day in whatever (laughs) they're doing, can you imagine? There would be nothing that we couldn't accomplish. Just a fourth, a tenth of all the people in our country if they gave 100% every day. Can you imagine?
0: I guess for me, I'm wondering where did this all come from? You know, like when you were a kid, like, did you have teachers who were the same or... It was just kind of your nature. You saw something that was missing and you wanted to bring that forth or that's just who you were. Like How did you become someone who really wanted to create the conditions for young people to thrive and to express themselves and to feel like they wanted to do the best that they could because it was the right thing to do and it wasn't about getting awards but being the best version of who they were and for each other. Like, How... How did you get to that place? Where did this come from?
1: That's a that's an amazing question. Um
2: I I think I picked the right parents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um I, I don't I don't remember
1: my parents, I don't specifically remember them telling me things that made me feel this way or gave me this approach. But I think I think the the examples that they set, the role models that they were about, about how to treat other people. Um, and I, I think that just somehow registered with me. Um, and I had, I had some wonderful teachers. And I, I don't know, I honestly, I don't know if it was things that they said or did Or just the just the influence that they had on me that made me feel Mm -hmm. I want to be able to do that for somebody else. I'm I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's I mean it's something I've always I've always felt as as Mm -hmm. far back as I can remember.
0: I think it's probably you know, as you say it and Mm -hmm. and I have to, you know, think about that if I were answering the question, couple of things come to mind. The environment is so important and you had great parents and I think just their influence inspired you to feel like well let me be the best that I can be and so it was just natural I think that that's also who you are anyway but creating the conditions for you to be that person more of the person who you are because you know as I think about that question for myself you know because people ask me all the time you know when I have to give talks and you know how in the world I got to where I was I really think about my life and the opportunities that I've had Um, the people like you in my life who saw something in me to help me see that in myself Um, my parents encouragement Um, also you know when I was growing up there were things like the Muppets and, um, (laughs) and really amazing performers and the content was very inspiring and you know I remember you know, and I think it was 84 being 9 or 10 and things like Hands Across America and Live Aid and all of these things were music and people were coming together to help other people was something that I was always excited about because I felt like I was a part of something big. And I wanted to feel that. I felt, wow, I'm useful. I'm, I'm bringing about happiness because when I would see it or watch it or come across people were doing this their happiness would come from them and it would create this this sort of vibe and so i think the environment in the beginning probably has a lot to do with where we put our intention and then from there through our life as we grow up somehow if we have the right conditions we can live into it and i know that your belief in me your belief and not only me when I was in school, but every single one of the students so that we could work together as a great ensemble has carried over into my life like 35 years later down the line and just how I still utilize those skills. I mean, even as I start to talk about it, I feel emotional because I can't imagine being as brave as I am, as capable as I am, the ability to walk into a room and bring connection as I do um, without having you in my life help me hone those skills by showing me what they look like and by creating the conditions for me to discover them for myself.
2: That's wonderful to hear. <laughs> it's
1: really um, beautiful. As I said, we, we very seldom know what effect we're having on other people
2: um, and, and it doesn't matter I mean we we do our best and, and we I shouldn't say we I think most
1: of us uh, try to try to treat other people the way we should with kindness and respect um, but you you really don't know and and when you're when you're working with children or teens or teens um, you really don't know and if you're if you're in front of a class where there are 25 or 30 students um, you just kind of throw the spaghetti against the wall and see if it sticks you know you you there's no time to address each individual situation each individual person um, in, in, a, in a complete way and so you just you just do your best and hope that it's working. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice, <laughs> you know, 20, 30 years later to <laughs> to hear from somebody that, that, it, at least in this one case, it made a difference. It's mm-hmm. one.
0: Mm-hmm. It really is. And so I feel like the moral of the story, everybody out there listening, is that we may not know who we influence, but just know that you do. And so, Mr. Lutz, on the last before we kind of wrap this up, is there anything that you would share with our audience just in terms of from your experience or what you hope and and the things that you've done and learned and the wisdom that you cultivate, any kind of wish or blessing or advice you'd give out to our listeners in terms of, you know, taking the next steps, being in the world, learning how to be an individual in the world as we work together with the rest of humanity, any kind of wisdom
1: you have for us? Well. As you were saying that, there was, there, were, uh, there was a two-word phrase that was rattling around in
2: my mostly empty brain these days, uh, and that was role model, to use that word. And I think people have to be aware that we are, we are
1: often role models, even when we are not trying to be, and even when we don't know that we are. And uh, certainly, as a teacher you have to you have to be aware that you know you are in a position of of authority a position of respect um, a position where where impressionable children are looking up to you and i I mean most of the teachers i've known realize that and, and were wonderful, but i've known some who I just wish there had been a way to usher them out very very quickly mm-hmm. um, because the, the the behaviors that you model have an effect on other people, not just on children but but especially on children because they 're so impressionable mm-hmm. and I think all of us in in our in our daily lives other people other people are watching other people are responding they're reacting they're noticing and the way you the way you talk to somebody in a in a store when you're checking out, out. um the, the way you you look at a stranger when you're uh, on the sidewalk those things they make they, they, they register it may not be a huge effect but but they all have an effect and and i personally believe that it's my responsibility to be the best role model that I can all the time. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I love you so much for that because you really are a true role model, and this conversation just continues to affirm. I like thank God all the time. Like thank you for putting me in the right place at the right time because I was so impressionable, and look who I got. And um, it really matters, and and it's just such a blessing. So. Thank you so much, Mr. Lutz, for this time, for your wisdom. And everybody out there listening, you know, to this podcast, everything really does matter. And you know, if you get a chance, by the way, for those listening, take an acting class, learn how to play in an ensemble, um, because those things that Mr. Lutz was just talking about, how you talk to someone, just a simple look, you know, when you're in an ensemble when you're playing music or on stage, a simple look, a gesture, and everything means so much. And we learn this unspoken language (laughs) that creates our atmosphere of what works together, how to make things work together and synergize. And it's such an important skill that I wish more people knew about because, ah, sitting on our cell phones all day, ignoring, pretending like we're listening to someone, you know um, so many other things it it really brings down people's self-esteem so thank you so much for being here again Mr. Lutz and everybody listening it's such a pleasure to be here on New World Voices Um, sending so much love and light out there to you guys and we will join you again on next week's New World Voices take care everybody and thank you again Mr. Lutz
1: you're very welcome